0: Welcome to ION Franchising. Are you looking for business opportunities? Well, you are in the right place. We represent over 650 franchises and business opportunities. We will help you find your perfect franchise for free. We even have a free assessment on our website that will help us determine what the best business is for you based on your investment level, mindset, skill set, and life experiences. This is Ion Franchising, where we share our vision for your franchise future. I'm your host, Lance Growler. Each week, we will speak to fascinating folks from the world of franchising, franchisors and founders, franchise funders and franchisees. Are you looking to find your perfect franchise? Or perhaps you are an independent business owner looking to grow and scale your business by setting up a franchise. Either way, our team can help you. Ion Franchising, where you will learn the A to Z's of franchising. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another great episode of Ion Franchising. I'm your host, Lance Gralek, and let me tell you about today. These guys, these guys invited me to their corporate office in Omaha, Nebraska recently. Thankfully, it wasn't middle of winter. I would have gone anyway, because I really, really wanted to see these guys and this amazing team. They're... uh sort of legends at this point to me because I've never met them and all I've heard is these amazing stories. So I got to experience this firsthand. So these are world-class entrepreneurs developing franchise brands at a record pace. These blue-collar millionaires, yeah I said it, blue-collar millionaires know exactly what it takes to build emerging brands into household names across the country. They have seven brands now and expanding and by 2025, their goal is to be north of a billion dollars in revenue, and I'm very proud to introduce my latest and newest friends, Josh Skolnick and Zach Butler, founders of Power Brands. Hey, guys.
1: Thanks for having us, Lance.
0: Wonderful, wonderful. So, uh, Josh, let's start with you. You have a heck of a history in franchising, starting in the uh, lawn care business, (laughs) the landscaping business, if you will. So why don't you share a little bit about your background and uh, what brought you to franchising in the first place?
1: Yeah, so my entrepreneurial journey began around 9, 10 years old, push mowing lawns in a local neighborhood where I grew up in eastern Pennsylvania. And I built that business through middle school, high school, had full-time employees through high school, believe it or not. Shortly after graduating high school in 2002, I continued to grow and expand my business before ultimately finding myself in the tree care industry by accident in 2008. I had an opportunity to grow what many would believe to be an 800 pound gorilla within the tree care industry in eastern Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, sort of that tri-state area. If you're from the East Coast, you would know it as. And uh, I built the business up at such a rapid pace and was often asked by people, is this a franchise? Because it's got great systems, processes, and everything you do looks, feels, and smells like a franchise type business. It wasn't, but it really tipped my hat to start to really investigate the opportunity. So I ended up going out, interviewing several consultants that help people franchise their business. And I was told by everyone, this is not a franchisable industry or business. And I strongly encourage you to go to the path of opening corporate locations. Uh, but being an entrepreneur, extremely determined, I decided I was not going to take their advice. I was going to go across the grain and I was going to do it anyways. 2012, I launched. My first franchise business with Monster Tree Service and quickly awarded 28 franchise units. Found out I didn't know how to train franchisees. I didn't know what infrastructure truly looked like to build a successful franchise system. So I ultimately ended up pausing development around 2014, 2015 time, invested over $2 million in two years of time to make sure all those initial 28 franchisees were very successful and got what they needed out of the business around 2017, when I relaunched development, that's when Zach and I were introduced. Uh, We at that time teamed up together, awarded over 100 franchise units the first year working together, found that we just really finished each other's sentences. We thought a lot. We had the same values and both came from blue collar households where we learned probably the most valuable thing we could from our parents. And that was a strong work ethic and just did things the right way together. So we built Monster Tree. when I acquired Redbox in 2018. We grew and scaled that at a rapid pace. And after exiting those two investments and sitting on a tremendous amount of cash, we launched Horsepower Brands with a mission to grow to 25 businesses by 2025. And as you said, Lance, you've been to our corporate office in Omaha. It is extremely impressive. Listeners listening to these types of podcasts or any uh, media that's out there on the web about us through a simple Google search, Doesn't even touch the tip of the iceberg on what we're actually doing as an organization to grow, develop, and support franchisees. And more importantly, these legacy brands that we're growing across the country at a record pace that will be uh, neighborhood household names that you will see in every neighborhood across North America over the coming years.
0: I love it. What an introduction right there. So let me toss it to Mr. Butler. Zach, what say you? Let's give us your, uh, your history.
2: Yeah, I grew up in a small town in Nebraska, a small farming community. As Josh said, you know, I grew up in a blue collar household. My uh, dad and grandpa uh, had a livestock auction barn where they sold cattle every Tuesday. And I uh, remember going in and having to cut the hay bales and sweep and, and do all kinds of stuff that even from when I was I think six or seven. On. So like Josh said, the the work ethic that we received as far as our, our values, I think is something that we really uh, aligned with is that that's something we we both were on the phone late at night with each other. We, we were both constantly thinking about the business. But after high school, I went to college in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I started working at a, a nutrition store that had not yet began franchising. And my second day or a third day on the job, everybody in the, in the store quit and I became the manager by default. And it turns out I was good at that. And uh, shortly after they began franchising and I was running the top location uh, as an 18-year-old kid, and I said, well. I want to go do this. I want to be a franchisee. So I was one of the first franchisees. I packed my bags and moved to Tallahassee, Florida, where I didn't know a soul and opened my first franchise when I was 20 years old. And the story behind that is I had saved up enough money, I think 25,000 bucks. And I got the founder, the founder of that business to co-sign an SBA loan for me. Went down there. And it was Amazing. great. Uh, <laughs> did 1.3 million first year open within eight months, had a second location that did about a, a little under a million bucks the first year. And then from the first day I opened my first store to three years, I had seven locations doing $8 million in revenue. And I was 23 years old. Uh, what I didn't know at the time was I didn't have the business acumen. Uh, I didn't have the, the real experience. And it all came crashing down. I lost everything, filed bankruptcy, had to completely start over. And there was another franchisee who had 10 locations that really needed the sales and marketing uh, uh, help with his business. And that was really what I was good at. And so i'll never forget i negotiated a twenty-two thousand dollar annual salary for equity in future locations and uh, i knew that together we were going to build up to build that quickly and we went from 10 locations to 68 locations in three years and uh got built that beast up to 40 million in revenue we were the largest franchisee by quite a bit we owned i think almost 40 percent of the franchise system and i did that for about a decade after that i saw i Realized that that was, uh, that industry was about to be disrupted. And I, because I already had the failure once. I think that allowed me to see that ahead of time. And I sold my equity, did fairly well. And then I got into franchise development. And that's where I met Josh. And I, what's important to me, because I did have, I was the franchisee that did fail. It was important to me that things were done right. And there's a lot of things in franchising that aren't done right or that aren't done with the franchisee's best interest in mind. And that's where Josh was the only franchise franchisor that I knew that stopped development, invested more money, and hired all of these people, built this facility, and knew that you had to do it. There's a certain way that you need to do this to have long-term success. And we really hit it off uh, many late nights at the dinner table together via phone, where our wives were sitting next to each other wondering, like, God, I wonder who's married here, me or Josh and Zach.
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I Big-time remember the story. Romance. Zach used to always tell people. The first time he met me, he flew into Philadelphia, came to, I just bought a new office building. We were in a process of uh building a brand new shop facility on a 13-acre site that I owned. Bought this beautiful office building. It's getting, you know, revamped, all remodeled. And Zach's like tells, you know, someone else at the time, is this guy out of his mind? Like, we haven't even awarded the first franchise yet. Like he just finished pausing development.
2: do you not even have an FTD?
1: Yeah, we didn't even have the FTD updated yet. It's like, he's like, he just finished pausing development for two years to work with the franchisees, just invested all this cash and he's still investing and we didn't even sell the first one yet. Why don't we make sure this thing works? And I'm like, oh, I know it works. Like after what we worked on for the last two years to dial this thing in, we're going to take off like a rocket ship. And sure enough, we did. That's what we call vision. Vision and confidence.
0: (laughs) I love it. Zach, that's a, a heck of a story. So, uh, you know, look, you guys are doing big things now. I had an amazing time visiting your corporate office and hearing about all your brands. You know, we, uh, why don't you guys walk us through the concepts that you uh, that you got now and you're sprinting to 2025 with that, that lofty goal that I'm sure you will be achieving.
1: So I can share with you the brands and I'd like Zach to kind of elaborate on some of the service verticals that we have. So our franchise brands today that we offer the foundational brand we launched with was Mighty Dog Roofing, uh, grew to 216 franchise units in the first 12 months of development. Uh, today sitting you know right around 250 franchise units as of May 2022. Uh, that brand continues to grow just crazy first year average revenues with the franchisees, soon to be the largest residential and commercial roofing contractor in North America. We have Blingle, which is our outdoor and holiday lighting brand. We do outdoor permanent lighting, holiday lighting, along with event lighting as well for weddings, bar mitzvahs, graduations, whatever type of outdoor events people have. We've got Heroes Lawn Care, which is a brand that focuses on uh, really three main service lines. First one being lawn care, the fertilization and disease control of turf, uh, along with irrigation. And lastly, in that one, we've got pet waste removal. So really three businesses almost into one, driving a huge value for absentee owners with a fast scaling business. We've got iPhone, which is focused on spray foam insulation. We offer all forms of insulation, not just spray foam. We do bad insulation, we do blow in, um, but we are the efficiency experts within the insulation space across North America. Again, that one's growing at a rapid pace, Uh, recently launched in the last three to four months and is seeing explosive growth Uh, The corporate location and the existing franchisees that were involved when we acquired that are seeing record growth within their locations as well. And I think as we see uh, home energy prices, we see what happened to fuel prices over the last 30 to 60 days with the war in Ukraine. Uh, This is something that is going to be more prevalent to homeowners that are going to want to insulate their home to really cut down on their energy bills. And then the last franchisor right now that we've got launched, we've got others that have been acquired that will be launching third and fourth quarter, and some others that are already acquired and slatted for um, early next year in 2023. But the last one is Gatsby Glass, which is <coughs> a business that is focused on frameless shower doors, uh, mirrors, and more. So we do not only the frameless shower doors, we do mirrors within bathrooms, um, public spaces, as well as uh, glass enclosures. You think of glass walls in offices, uh, storefronts, things of that nature. If it has anything to do with glass, we go ahead and take care of it. But a big part, Lance, that I think really interests a lot of people in the way that we're really maintaining accountability in the growth of our businesses, is that we're not just focused on being a franchisor. We put our money in our mouths as far as knowing that vendors are a huge extension of the success of any franchisor we've worked with dozens of vendors over the years, some that were great and some that were not so great. So for us in our business venture making sure we get the most out of our franchisees from the level of success, we've launched many vendor verticals that support our franchisees. So I think Zach can really hit on those vendor verticals that we've got currently. And then more importantly, what we're doing with horsepower nation.
2: Love it. No, absolutely. I think it's important to note, in franchising less than 5% of franchise or brands or franchisors get beyond 100 active territories. So to get beyond 100 active is very rare, but the IFA says it takes on average 10 years to do so. Uh, So we're a little bit unique. We've now uh, four times in a row, we've grown brands from inception to beyond 100 active territories in 12 months. So with that type of growth, it's very difficult for one or multiple vendors to keep up with our growth uh, just because they have to add so much uh, so much capital as far as uh, their staff, inventory, et cetera. So we found that a lot of times it's necessary, number one, just for our growth to, to vertically integrate and either buy or create our own verticals, such as uh, uh, marketing, call center, et cetera. But uh, the, the bigger part besides that is that in franchising, again, I, I, I've sat in every seat. I've been the franchisee. I've been the franchisee that failed. I've been the part time guy, the manager, the development guy, the franchisor. what you see from all angles is that there's a lot of I don't want to call it corruption, but a lot of lot, there's a loss of focus on the franchisee profitability for the, there are these vendors that just prey on franchisees and their ability to make money. And we looked at that and went, that's just number one, it's not working and they're not getting results and B, they're charging way too much money. So we made a decision that where we can, we want to vertically integrate. Uh, different verticals that can help our franchisees, A, get better results, and B, save money. And the first one that we made a decision to do was Franchise Rocket. So we made a decision to acquire the digital marketing agency that we were working with. Uh, we Josh and I have worked with the biggest of the, be- of the biggest with in-franchise marketing. We've worked with four or five other companies and it was always the same. They're always the best at everything and not accountable for anything. Uh, and we just we got sick of that. So we made an acquisition of the company that we thought was the right fit. And we created a level of accountability within that organization, added over 100 different employees, and what really allowed us to pull back the curtains to determine what does it really cost to generate a lead on Google, on PPC, Home Advisor. how can how can we speed up that process, make it more accountable, uh, which obviously works in both the franchise's best interest as well as ours. And that's probably, to date, the, the most important uh, uh, Vertical that we've added because it's made a it's allowed us to change the game within franchise marketing, and with that we don't charge commissions. It's a flat fee model. The more you spend, the more that goes out into the marketplace, which I believe we're the only ones that do it that way. Uh, Yeah, I I
0: love that. By the way,
2: oh, it's it. it, I I I very much dislike marketing people because uh, there's like I said they're they're always the best at everything but not accountable for anything. Uh, uh, The second was we had some issues with a call center. They were more of an answering service. They didn't quite know the industry, the brand, the time to answer the phone just wasn't up to par. We tried several and we made a decision that we already have the customer base. Uh, we have the capital, we can find the right intellectual capital to run those organizations and help us build them. So we created powerhouse call solutions and that company answers all of the phone calls for our franchisees, classifies every lead uh, uh, appropriately, which means that we have one process of qualifying every lead we also know we can we can actually integrate that technology to know what is the lead cost, what is the appointment cost, what is the actual job cost from from an advertising perspective. Uh, for our Blingo brand, uh, there was not one or two different distributors that could support the purchasing of lights that we needed to do. So we made a decision to create our own, where we've uh, we have lights for Christmas. We've imported over ten million dollars worth of lights from Asia, and uh, that's really the only way that business really works. Uh, we we almost walked away from the Blingle opportunity because we walk in on their board, it said 395 uh, unserviceable leads. And I looked at Josh and I go, what's an unserviceable lead? It sounded kind of silly. And they said, well, those are all the people that really wanted service, but we didn't have any more product. And I'm like, get out of here. So we solved that problem. Uh, we also have Recruit Z, which is a recruiting company specifically for franchisees and franchisors that helps franchisees find all of their people, which in this day and age is invaluable. We have Z Books. That's a company that uh, does all of the the accounting and bookkeeping services uh, for our franchise concepts. Along with uh, several of them, we also do the payroll for. Am I missing anything, Josh?
1: No, I think you're good, Zach. The The big thing that when you think about like the call center piece, some of our business models give us the ability to not only answer phones and schedule appointments for our franchisees, but also do virtual sales. So like Blingle, we have virtual designers where we actually have designers on staff that will sell jobs for our franchisees without ever having to visit a homeowner's home or business because of the level of technology that we're using. Uh, You look at our heroes lawn care business, we use technology to be able to provide pricing right over the phone. Most of our franchisees won't even have salespeople because all of their sales are taking place virtually Coming through powerhouse call solutions, so all of these service vendor service verticals are really thought about in the sense of how can we drive better value, growth, and scale into each one of our franchisees' units. But today, you think about horsepower brands is in business now. Call it eighteen months, a year and a half. We have eleven businesses that are up and operating under our umbrella and about half a dozen other acquisitions that are complete. So you think about the deployment of capital and resources, the infrastructure that has been built to not only launch 11 businesses in 18 months, but have six more in the wings ready to go. So when you hear that lofty goal, that would be lofty for many of 25 by 25, you go to yourself, why, did these, why are these guys gonna even wait till 2025? But we're gonna be there in a very short period yep. of time. And you'll learn quickly as you have about us, Lance. We set goals, we just smash them, and then we set new ones, and we just keep on going. It's all about that winning ego and those core values that we set.
0: I have no doubt. And, uh, you know, everybody builds confidence by achieving certain stair-step type goals. You guys have already killed it. Most people in the franchise industry, everybody in the franchise industry would love to have accomplished what you've accomplished so far. And, and it's only going to get bigger and better. Zach, how often do you go back to uh to thinking, remember that crazy guy Josh that had this building and how many years ago was that? And and what's he doing? And look where you've come now.
2: No, we probably could celebrate more of the wins for sure. Uh but I think I think that's built into our, our core values now when we're there's a way there, you can't build a franchise model the traditional way anymore where if you look back at how it how it was done previously in the last 30 years, it was a mom and pop location that thought that their model was repeatable. They went out, got an FTD, sold the first franchises of their friends and family, and then slowly built it up, but they launched it with support that the people that ran their corporate location were the people that supported franchisees. Yep. What we've what yep. I've realized in development is that. You look at the big companies and and the really experienced dinosaurs in the industry, they've never launched a franchise brand in today's age. How you advertise for customers is completely different, and they don't know how to do it. And that's why we're the only one that are going out successfully uh, making acquisitions of brands that have less than three territories and growing them beyond 100 active territories. Uh, I think we're actually the only ones that have actually done that. Uh, and yeah. so that's where i think you have to front load a lot of infrastructure to get the right type of franchisees and to make them successful.
0: Yeah, so guys, you know, you you've had a lot of great stuff. I mean, it's it's an absolutely amazing story and as a franchise broker, i'm i'm very proud to refer people to your brands on a regular basis. And uh, you know, in all my years as a franchisee of of multiple restaurant brands and I've learned that the two biggest complaints that franchisees have when they're not doing well are marketing and overall support. You guys have also realized that and literally just invested in that infrastructure to almost, I mean, there's no guarantees in life because you could bring the right person into any one of your brands. They still have to work. But let's, let's talk a little bit about that. I mean, look, you guys are putting your money where your mouth is, you're buying inventory for Blingle, you've done all kinds of other things. Are, are you guys allowed to talk about that permit thing you do for people? Is that confidential or yeah. do you want to talk about that?
2: We acquired a national permitting database, so we get every approved permit by county in the country. We've got that built into an uh, an automated program that uh, really directly targets the not just the property owner, but also the the contractor or builder. So for some of our brands, we can feed them leads immediately, put those leads into a, a funnel, and then develop that funnel to get them leads. Uh, that that That's database incredible. was over $180,000, but when we have five to six brands and we will keep adding, we can, we can uh, we can afford to, to to really bring that across multiple concepts and make it affordable.
0: Yeah, you got you guys are not afraid to invest in your in your infrastructure and certainly uh, continue to add value to to. All these tools that the franchisees get access to. So let's talk. You know, with all your years in franchising, I talk to people on a regular basis. Doesn't matter whether they're a corporate attorney that's looking to start their own job, or uh, you know, somebody thirty years old that's had you know super aggressive, great work ethic, blue collar, whatever. Depending on everybody's background, there's still a mindset issue a lot of times. Lance, I don't want to lose my money. What brand is best for me? So give us your sort of tips, and advice. Number one, what have you seen over the years? Who is that person that is successful in a franchise? What do you guys look for?
1: And what do you not look for? I think Zach can hit on the avatar here. But initially, what I think is important and what we always tell people, when someone's going out on a venture with, you know, either on their own to look for a business or with a consultant like yourself to help them really navigate that path. Some of the things that Zach mentioned earlier with what we're doing and how launching a franchise and running a franchise is not like running a traditional business or the way that businesses were launched before. It's changed so much. So as a franchise buyer, you really need to be thinking about, you know, how invested is the franchise or really in their business? Or are they just looking for a path to scale their mom and pop business on a national level, because 9 out of 10 franchise brands are just that. They're just looking for a way to quickly grow and scale their business. And they're going to learn along the way with you as the franchisee and build the plane as it's flying, so to say. So everyone's number one fear in getting into business is obviously it's a lot of money. I always say oftentimes buying a business and and we educate our teams on this in the level of support they need to provide. This is often the largest purchase the average person will ever make in their lifetime outside of buying a home or potentially putting children through college. And so when you think about that, it is a major decision. We know what we're doing. And so we're going to put our best foot forward and we're going to invest. We're going to pivot where we need to pivot. We're going to admit Fault when we've done something wrong and do the right thing to correct it. But what I think a lot of people get caught up in is is the widget of the business. And so, Lance, you know the famous quote by Zach Butler, we're the widget that gets you to your why. But with that being said, people focus too much on the business. There is nothing sexy about the brands that we offer, with the exception of the fact that they get you two of the most important things that you're looking to get out of business, a return on investment and a return on your time. We are not awarding franchises to people with industry experience in the industries we're in. They're leveraging on us as the experts, and we surround ourselves with that intellectual capital. The hundreds of people that are working in our organization, we're up to about 250 employees across all of our brands today that are either at the horsepower level, the vendor level, or the corporate level at each one of our franchise or brands. And so, you know, with that being said, we know exactly what it takes. And I think for anyone and every franchise buyer should be concerned about, am I going to get that return on my investment in time? And so really digging back and pulling back the layers of the onion to understand What's the franchisor really providing to me? One thing I can tell you, Lance, is that in all the years I've been doing this, as well as Zach, with the level of attention, detail, and support we provide to our franchisees, we've never had a franchisee pick up the phone and call us to ask us, what are they getting for the fees that they've paid to us? Because we sometimes it's more on the other side of, I don't know how you guys can even make money with everything that you do for me. Or upfront people making a comment to us going, this seems almost too easy with everything that you guys provide at Horsepower Brands. And don't get me wrong, we're only 50% of the equation and we'll never take any level of credit for the success of our our franchisees achieve in their business because they've gone out and deployed everything that we've provided to them, followed the system, taken the support and really went out and grown their business. But that's all about that awards process through the franchise development phase of getting into business with us that I think Zach can really hit on on what our ideal candidate looks like, what we see in the right buyers coming through the process that have really helped us to build these successful systems. Because at the end of the day, you can listen to the two of us talk. You can meet people within our organization and go, Like, you're you're singing our praises now, Lance, to everyone you talk to about what we've been able to build, the core values we've created, the culture, all the buzzword bullshit that people hone in on. But at the end of the day, this is about executing. It's a servant style of leadership. It's about executing on the feedback. And it's having no arrogance in anything that you're doing because we listen to the people that are around us. Our franchisees are brilliant individuals that bring us some of the greatest ideas. That we then go out and execute within our business. And so it's not us that have created this amazing organization, it's everybody around us. But I think it'd be important for Zach to hit on the avatar and really what we're looking for in the right candidates.
0: Yeah, perfect. Great stuff.
2: Yeah, I think that there's four. So I've been, I've done over 1,500 placements in franchise development. And looking back, you can clearly tell uh, towards the end of the process. going to be successful there are very there are very uh specific things that happen and i think that there's four major people characteristics that make average and top performers uh there's one that's specific to us but the first one is you have to be optimistic there has to be a solution to every problem because if there isn't then you're not looking for solutions you're only looking for problems and uh focus creates wealth uh, and where you put your focus, you will get a return on that focus. So, if you focus on areas that uh, are a very poor uh, return on your time, as Josh has said, it will really, it, it hurts. Uh, so, we want people that the glass has got to be half full. I think that's when you look at the top performers they are always that way. Um, they're also better to work with. You know, uh, the, there's one of my favorite books that sits right behind me is The Energy Bus. We don't want any energy vampires around here. Yep. Uh, Emotional intelligence, uh, you have to be able to understand who you are, what your strengths and weaknesses are. So Josh and I are both visionaries. We chase every squirrel. We like, we like shiny objects. We're the idea guys. We're uh, you know typically a little bit more unorganized, but we're, we work we're hard workers. So we make up for it, but we know well enough that if we put, if we pair ourselves with more of an integrator personality, we can do fantastic things together. And a lot of times people can't, they put themselves in a role that they, they think they can do, but they really can't. So uh, high performers have great emotional intelligence. They know what they're good at, what they're not good at. Uh, people management experience is second to none, I think. You're, you're starting a business and you can only have a successful business based on people. If you don't have people in your business and you're successful then you have a job. And so you have to be able to manage and lead teams. And if you've never done that before, I don't care how, where you went to school. I don't care how many books you've read. There's only one way to get that type of experience and that's to get it the hard way. Uh, and the last is uh, you have to have life experience in business. Without that, you there's no way to have grit. You can't have success without suffering. And people that don't have the life experience in business or corporate America or uh, uh, reporting to someone or being accountable or having to fight problems there's just no way that you're gonna be able to handle it emotionally because owning a business is still not easy. Uh, and then the, the, the bonus one there for us specifically is our concepts are built for people that want big businesses. We're, we're not here to sell a job. Our concepts are not made that way. They're made for people that wanna build big businesses. So we want people that are empire builders. We want them to say, I wanna do something big. I'm hungry, I'm motivated. I'm willing to put the money and put the time in, but I want something big. That's, that's the opportunities for us as a franchisor there's a better return on our investment a better return on our time by having concepts that produce more in revenue and provide better opportunities for franchisees.
0: Well, you guys are dropping so much great information. I know people are paying attention to it. I want to go back to a couple of things. As you guys certainly know, and, and, and Zach, you came from franchise development and you know typical uh, folks looking at opportunities, looking to start a business. They don't know if a franchise is right for them. You you guys are so right. People come to me all the time and say, so what do you got for restaurants? What do you got? I heard home care is hot. What do you got for home care? And you know me, I I always ask, I ask the same questions. Well, you know, those are great, great industries. Food and beverage restaurants is one of the most popular because people think it's a sexy business. The reality is, are you open minded? Can I show you a business as uh Zach, what's your quote again with the What's what's that uh widget quote?
2: Uh, horsepower brands is the widget that gets you to your why. So the business and what it does is irrelevant. You're buying a business for a purpose. And it's typically you want freedom or you want money. Uh, I mean, it's one of those two things. If it provides those things, then what are we really talking about?
0: that's exactly right. In my last 5 deals that I did over the course just just all recently, they're all different brands and none of the people, not one of them expected to end up investing in the brand they ended up investing in. So they were open-minded and I love I love that you guys are creating the empire builders. So so we walked through all the concepts thus far. We walked through the verticals. Give give me some of your secret sauce here, additional secret sauce. For those listening, so when it comes to mindset in general, people are scared. Whether somebody's 50 years old and worked their whole life, you know, what are the things they need to look at within the process, let's say specifically to you guys and your experience? For example, you have an FDD to review. You have 23 items, especially the item 19, to give you some relief that, holy cow, I'm not going to lose my money. Okay, according to this, there's some good sales here. And then you obviously have validations. Talk a little bit, Zach, if you want to go first, I'm sure Josh will add some tidbits as well. You want to talk about that process that people can expect with horsepower?
2: Well, yeah, I want to point out that I believe that if people are evaluating a franchise opportunity, it's most likely an emerging brand or the territory would not be available. Let's be honest. Exactly. So when you're looking at emerging brands, I think that there's five key areas that you need to investigate uh the first one is capital what type of access to capital does the brand have and where does it come from who has it and how much the fdd does not state that and the franchise agreement does not have how much access to capital the brand has because they don't keep it in their bank account unless they're foolish uh, so you want to understand that because then 50 percent of franchisors do fail because of lack of capital uh, the second is experience. As I kind of stated before, if a franchisor has never been a franchisor before, they don't know what they're doing. They've never, they've never done it before. And so most of the owners as we just talked about, have never launched a business in this day and age, and they built their business 20 years ago, and they didn't have to use uh, SEO and, and PPC and, and on all these new uh, 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 forms of advertising that are hard. And so it's a lot harder to launch a business now than it was 20 years ago from an advertising perspective. And they just don't know how to do that. Um, the third is tech, data and technology. Uh, I, I built out a lot of different franchise brands, right? They had no idea, to, they had no process for the franchisee to calculate like their average ticket, or they would have to do an Excel pivot table, the franchisee would, to figure out some of their numbers, which it does not work. So how do you get your data as a franchisee? And then what technological advantage do you have against your competitors? Uh, the next is the next is uh, customer acquisition, which I, uh, again, I'm not a big fan of marketing people, even though I guess you could probably call us one now, but I, I've sat through a lot of presentations of franchise or brands and someone asks, how do you drive leads? And they say, we do digital marketing and we have a great local networking plan, which means that they don't have anything. So we want to know what's the specific way, what's your specific strategy on generating leads for franchisees? How does it work? Who manages it? what's the cost, et cetera. And then the last, which is probably the most important to me personally is, uh, I think it's over 90% of franchisees are first-time business owners. You just can't give someone a 250-page operations manual that they're not going to read and send them on their merry way to run a business. So what type of entrepreneurial support does the franchise or give you to be a better business owner, person, leader, et cetera, to succeed? Because if they're not doing that, then they just don't get it.
0: And I don't think it was mentioned yet, Zach, you guys have what you call success coaches that are responsible for all uh, new franchisees fresh out of training, right?
2: That's correct. We, we follow EOS, or Entrepreneurial Operating System. So when a franchisee starts with us, they get a scorecard of all their measurables. They get uh, uh, an, uh, an accountability chart of who they're supposed to hire, what they're specifically accountable for. Uh, and then we take them through a, a six hour focus day course with Traction, which is all about holding people accountable, monitoring your numbers week over week, how to run an effective meeting. And it basically gives them a foundation of how to run a business without having blinders on. And one was, of the things traction I think is
1: important now, too, on top of that, Lance, one of the things that we do is. We, we know that there's an 80-20 rule. 80% of our franchisees will do very well in business, and then we're going to have that bottom 20% that are just uh, you know struggling a little bit, need extra support, extra attention to really uh, further train them, uh, potentially evaluate individuals working in the business, might be in the wrong seat, wrong people, wrong seat, and make some changes. So we actually do something that not many other franchisors that I've ever talked to offer. And it's a low performers action plan where we actually have a 12 week structured low performers action plan that someone goes on to for three months. So once we identify them of somebody being in a bottom 20%, because as Zach always says, I believe in no persons left behind. So no, no man or woman gets left behind in this, everyone has to get a return on their investment. And so what it allows us to do is when we people would say, well, man, that's a lot of investment of time and capital and resources to do that. But you know what happens? It pushes everybody to stay in the top 80%. Rising tides rise all boats. The entire system grows. The reason why you see explosive year over year growth in each one of our franchise opportunities is because we are driving results in the unit level economics and making sure that everybody is achieving their goals to get to where they want to go. I always warn people be careful what you tell me you want to do in business because once you tell me you want to grow a $3 million business, $5 million business, $10 million business, those are the marching orders I give to the operations team to say, "Hey, Lance said he wants to grow a five million dollar business. Well, you know what they're going to do? They're going to push you, support you, and lay out the plan for you to build a five million dollar business. And when you're not good, when you're not on pace, they're going to have the confrontational conversation to let you know where you've messed up, what you need to change, the adjustments you need to make." You visit our office, you spent 60 minutes diving into the backend dashboards that we build that are proprietary to horsepower brands. We give the data and analytics to our franchisee every which way to Sunday. There's no hiding. There is nothing but accountability in being a franchisee within our organization and our success coaches having access to that and our teams will develop you to be extremely successful within business.
0: I love how you guys, the overall attitudes... Josh, that you and Zach have and the entire team are, we don't care if it's never been done before. We're going to find it. We're going to build it. We're going to create it. When I got to see what you did with iPhone, the whole disruption, if you will, what you mean for the foam, world of foam insulation? What, what, what do you mean? Everybody just has a trailer? This doesn't make any sense. Why don't you build a truck and do something state of the art? Well, nobody's done that before. Well, we can do it. Not a problem. I freaking love that. They then, either, go, go,
1: they ahead, either go, nobody's done this, or that's too expensive. And I always tell the story of when I was in the tree business, people would tell me all the time, oh, I'd, I'd do as much revenue as you or be as big as you if I had all that nice, fancy equipment. And my response was always, you can't afford not to have the equipment. It's the tools of the Absolutely. trade. You got to have the right tools to be able to get the job done. And that's what we've done with iPhone. There's plenty of ways that we could have skinned the cat differently to try to make that investment lower, cheaper, whatever it is. But I hate that word cheap, because that's all you're gonna get. You're gonna get something that doesn't have long-term residual value, like a more expensive truck-mounted unit. And that took a lot of time, energy, and planning, and more importantly, research, months and months of research, to put together the amazing equipment that we've got now that we offer in that brand.
0: Well, two two final pieces I want to cover before we wrap up. I want to talk about your validation process because clearly you have a lot of happy franchisees. Uh, Some of the brands are certainly newer than others, but how does that validation process work? Because it's something that brokers and consultants like myself and my friend, we talk about a lot because that gives people a lot of peace of mind that Hey, there's people within this culture that are franchisees that invested their money just like I'm thinking about doing, and and I need to make sure that I fit here. So how do you do that? Let's talk about that process a little bit. Zach, you want to take that one?
2: Yeah. So uh, we've created a process where, as a as a candidate coming through looking at a brand, uh, if that brand has a plenty of franchisees that are open, then you're going to talk. To, you're going to have the chance to talk to as many franchisees as you typically want. Uh, Now, because we create brands from scratch, a lot of times there isn't a lot of validation, but there's still validation with franchisees that bought in at the same time with other concepts. And they can attest to here's what I experienced. Here's what it was like. Here's what they did for me. Here's how they go above and beyond. Here were, you know, how they exceeded my expectations, et cetera. So if you're a franchisee, look, or if you're a candidate looking at a franchise brand, and you can talk to franchisees of that specific brand, as well as others that are owned by the same company, and you're hearing consistent messaging; it gives you the confidence to make make the decision on if this is right for you.
0: I love it. That's that's perfect. And the, and the other piece I want to talk about is, you know, there are so many people that get nervous that they're leaving their corporate job. How do they make the leap? You know, do they have to be an owner operator? Well, you guys have so many things dialed in. As you already said, you don't want somebody to leave their corporate job and be a Full-time owner-operator of this thing. So, describe that process a little bit in all your years of doing this, uh, as to how that's done, and put people at ease a little bit. Well, keep in
1: mind to be to be a semi-absentee owner in any one of our businesses, or really any franchise opportunity versus an owner-operator, is the fact that you have to you have to make sure that you're with a franchisor that knows what they're doing that provides a level of system and support to your general manager and the rest of your team to help you manage your business in your absence. Semi-absentee is a loosely used word in our opinion, because sometimes people mistake semi-absentee for absent and they think they don't have to do anything. When people ask me the question, what's your idea of semi-absentee? I tell them 10 to 15 hours a week. If you're not willing to put 10 to 15 hours a week into the business, then you shouldn't just be buying this as for tax purposes, because it takes time when you're launching any business to get to the point where your team works you as the owner really out of a job in the sense of being more absent versus semi absentee. But I think Zach's got some great things on this piece that he can really hit on that would really be valuable.
2: So, uh, yeah, I think I've built out over 10 brands now, Lance, and here's what I've seen is that the people that buy a business as a semi-absentee owner have still never owned a business. And that and whoever they put in charge uh, typically doesn't have that much structure. And when you're, a, when you're, when you're working in the corporate world, that, that structure is given to you and there's an accountability given by the organization. Now you're the person that has to enforce that. And I go back to traction or EOS, that's 100% what traction does is it creates a measurable for every employee, creates a process of how to manage people, And that's one of the biggest things that we did but we took it a step further is when you're a semi absentee owner you have to have a full-time gm and that full-time gm is who we spend time with not you as the owner Uh, not that we we exclude the owner from any activities but you can't hide anything from the gm that's the person that is running your business and that's the person that we relay the information to give the training to etc and that is a big change that uh, in every other every one of the other concepts it was always do you want your gm to have access to this or do you want your gm to get this type of email and they say well you know i'll forward it to them which never really happens so we're a transparent organization and we want to make sure that we're transparent when we take people's money we want to make sure that we can give them not just the return on their investment but the return on their time and as josh stated there's there's no business out there that you can start and launch without 10 to 15 hours a week minimum in Uh, but with the right people, you can build a very big business that allow you the flexibility and freedom uh, to do what you want. I think that's that's the bigger reason why people want a business is they don't want to go in at eight o'clock to work. Sometimes they want to go to their kids' ball game. They they want to go fishing on the week. They want to go fishing on that Wednesday afternoon. And having the business is what gives you the flexibility and the freedom to do that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing we probably did not touch on at all is financing. Because you guys have had such tremendous success in your past and present, you know, there's plenty of finance, uh, pr- plenty of lenders that want to help your franchisees. So uh, clearly you have some good relationships. You want to talk a little bit about financing, Zach?
2: Yeah, we have, uh, we have uh, several SBA lenders that we have uh, long-term relationships with that know our organization, Tracker, et cetera. Um, we've gotten uh, pretty good rates. One of the things that we do with all of our brands, Lance, is we have what's called a buyback guarantee. We'll buy back 100% of the equipment assets in or inventory within the first year at fair market value for any reason. And because the SBA knows that, uh, that's something that allows them to get funding a lot a lot easier. Uh, on top of that, we have relationships uh, with uh, two other companies that help with retirement rollovers, et cetera. So uh, our ability to get funding is uh, extremely hot.
0: So, who idea was that whole guarantee within a year? We'll basically buy, da- buy back all the assets.
2: I think that was that was my idea, but Josh was already <laughs> doing it without realizing it. Is that uh, he had some franchisees that, you know, I know one of the one of the uh, gentlemen, his wife had brain cancer, and he just didn't have it in him to run the business. And Josh said, "I'll buy back the equipment at fair market value, and uh, we'll wipe our hands of this." And uh, I hope all is the best. And uh, I think when we were working on the Monster Tree. happened five or six times where there were certain things where josh said you know what i'll buy back all of your equipment if you don't want to do this and we'll part ways uh and so we just we made it part of our process where uh now uh we our franchise development process is dialed in we get the right candidates our marketing is dialed in we get the leads we have the recruiting that helps find the people to work in the locations and uh one of the our most recent achievements that we're extremely proud of is with Redbox plus we awarded 300 franchise locations in three years, opened every single location and had zero
0: closures, uh, which um, Absolutely. I, I don't think
2: happens often.
0: What a track record. Zach, final word, and then I'll throw it to Josh for his final word for today.
2: So my final word is this. Owning a business is hard, is scary, but there's something that you get deep inside, this fulfillment that you get when you've built that business that is second only to having children in my mind. Uh, like the pride that I have for my family that the building that growing up in the business that they gave me is just tremendous. And by building that business, even if you did it and lost everything, I personally think that you've at least you've at least tried it. And uh, to be able to even sniff at that success, that feeling that you get is unlike anything that I can explain. And based on a track
0: record, it would be it would be hard to It'll be hard to lose it all based on your track record, but you know, it's the right candidate. So thank you for Zach, that Zach, Mr. Josh, your final thoughts
1: for me, really two things. uh, And Zach's heard this many times, but I hate people that fall into the should have could have would have category. And I think all too many people are just looking for the right time to do something. And there's never going to be the right time. Uh, You've just got to believe in yourself. You've got to see something that you believe that you can be successful with. Trust the people that you're surrounding yourself with and go for it. I heard the other day, I was on a five and a half hour drive last Sunday home from one of my weekend homes. And I was uh, listening to a podcast and somebody made the comment that the biggest mistake that people in America make in wanting to do something is that they're always looking for the built staircase. And they overlook that as long as you can see the first step that you need to take in anything, just finish building the staircase yourself. The first step is right there in front of you. And you just got to be willing to take it and then build the second step and the third step and the fourth step and you build the entire staircase. And that's what I think a lot of people get hung up on is they're looking for the perfect scenario. They're looking for all the stars to align and you've got to be willing to take some risk. And it's what you do that's truly going to build your financial future within business.
0: I love it. What a great way to end it. Josh and Zach, Horsepower Brands. Thank you guys so much for being here. All right. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening today. Please like, follow, and subscribe so you don't miss anything here at Ion Franchising. Visit our website at ionfranchising.com. E Y E O N franchising.com and complete our free assessment so we can assist you in finding your perfect franchise. This is Lance Kralik. Until next time.